You are listening to High Shelf Gaming Podcast, a podcast where myself, David Gillespie, and my friend Rich talk about out-of-the-way games that we enjoy, the conventions we play them at, and anything our friends want to jump on and talk about. If that sounds like what you're looking for, please have a listen. We've added some social media places for you to join us in talking about games and RPGs. We're on Twitter, at High Shelf Gaming, and we have a Facebook group called High Shelf Gaming Podcast. Click to join, we'll get you added in. It's a closed group, but we're friendly to all game enthusiasts. Another thing that Rich and I are going to start doing is we want to start doing a contest to try and get some more reviews on iTunes. If you go to iTunes and leave a review for High Shelf Gaming Podcast, you'll be entered in to win a Steam code for Small World 2. David again here with High Shelf Gaming. This week we're going to pick up right where we left off from last week's discussion about Legend of the Five Rings. Last week we talked all about the world and the setting of Rokugan, where the game Legend of the Five Rings takes place. This week, Rich, my co-host, is coming back, and of course Robert and Ben are joining us again to talk all about the game Legend of the Five Rings, the new living card game from Fantasy Flight Games. And what I what I want to point out is uh, we're here to talk about the card game, and this is all fluff. Like it's right. just it is so so front and center and necessary to the themes and how the game is played. So as an outsider looking in and hearing that, do they incorporate some of these ideas into the card game, or do you need to understand these principles because of the way the card game is played? A bit of both, uh, right? Yeah, kind of. I would say more so that, um, like the card, like if you have absolutely no interest in the, in the setting or any of the culture and all of that, you can still totally play the card game. You'll just like over time accidentally see some, uh, consistent fluff. Like if you're playing, um, Phoenix and you keep seeing Shugenja dealing with, uh, or if you, if you keep seeing Isawa dealing with a bunch of ring effects and then you keep seeing Shiba deal with like, targeting shugenja you'd be like i i keep seeing these consistent effects across these different things i see a pattern i wonder why right. and like you you won't need to know why but like if you dive into it there's so much to know oh, right yeah i i would almost kind of take the other way is that you kind of need to understand some of the stuff because even like core mechanics of the card game rely on you having a basic not even a basic but like a a Somebody gave you the ten thousand foot overview of Confucianism, right. you know, like, <laughs> like, like, like. Okay, so one of the concepts in this game is I want to play a, a guy. I've got a, uh, I've got a samurai. I want to put him on the board, and I want to, I want that person to be able to go out and go to war for me. Sure. I have to, I have to spend a resource in this game called fate. I get so much fate every turn, and I spend that fate to decide one that my person gets to join the fight, but two, how long they're going to stick around for. Which is, mm-hmm. which is such a bizarre concept for other games. Normally, once I bring a thing into the game, it's there until something kills it. Bingo. Perhaps. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But with this game, I, as the, as, the, as the leader of my clan, I decide how long that person's going to live or how long they're going to stay in the war for. You know, they might not die at the end. They might retire out or something like that. I don't know what the story is. But... You invest in this person, and you decide how long they're sticking around for. And just having that concept of, no, me, the player, I decide how long this thing's going to live for, that's such a foreign concept 
Yeah, a lot of people when we were first being spoiled the fate system, they said that they were FFG was saying that they were uh, taking a lot of inspiration from the concept of mano no aware, and uh, a lot of people were very skeptical of it, and it turned out being probably its strongest feature. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I, I look at this and go, in Magic I spend mana, mana in Netrunner I spend money. Do you know what I mean? And I bring things out, or I load things, or I, I, I mm -hmm. bring out enchantments, or I bring out monsters. In this case, almost everything's temporary. Yeah, yes. so so you know how in Magic you spend several terms laying out land and you're gradually building your resources? In this game, uh, at least right now, you start with seven fate, and you get seven fate every turn. Like, you kind of just start with all that in play. Right. <laughs> and then... When you buy someone, let's say you, you have seven fate, right? And then let's say you buy someone who costs two fate. You now have five left over. At the end of that turn, we hit something called the fate phase, where anyone who doesn't have fate on them goes away. And you can circumvent that by when you buy them, you spend your two fate. Now your five remaining fate, you can put any amount that you wish on top of that character. And then at fate phase, anyone who has a fate on them, you remove one fate. So let's say I put two on them. Right now, I uh, have three fate left over. I have two fate on him. At the end of that turn, he loses a fate. At the end of the next turn, he loses a fate. At the end of the next turn, now he goes away. Right, right. One of my questions was going to be: Do you ever get mana screwed? And I think we all can laugh about the time we went to play a game, yep. and it was like there has to be land in this deck, and we're just <laughs> pulling and pulling, and nothing's coming out. You guys don't get mana screwed, per se. Uh, it's actually impossible. Yep. Now you can still get screwed by fate, totally. Because you could flip up, there's another thing in this game called holdings, uh, which aren't people, and thus, though they help you, cannot go out and fight. And sometimes you need dudes to fight, and right. when all you get is buildings, and you just look at your opponent, and you're just like... It's free ride. You just hold up your hand that they can't see, and you're just like, well, uh, this is totally deadly. You shouldn't come here. Yeah, yeah. Just stay well, away yeah. this turn. Yeah. And that, okay. <laughs> well, hold on. Now, this might lead to how do you win this game? Oh, oh man. All right. Hold Let on. Let me just start there. How do you win? Okay, hold on. Hold on. So, so there are <laughs> – this game has so many ways to win and lose, and that's just in the core rules. At in least the new with, game. Yeah, yeah. With, with the old game, there were like – you could have random cards that completely changed win conditions. Uh, in this game, I don't oh, think they've, that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, I don't think they've done that with this one. So this game has I'll just cover that real quick. There's three win conditions or loss conditions. No. Oh, oh there's more. Did I did I get it wrong? It's three, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. There's, there's two win and one loss technically. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so one way to lose is you lose all your honor. You get a certain starting amount of honor, and if you go to zero, you're done. Which remember when we talked yes. about the fate phase? <laughs> If you have a character that has no fate, they they are removed from the game. If that character is honored, you gain an honor. If that character is dishonored, you lose an honor. Oh! So if you're really close to dying because of honor, the order in which your people leave the game matters because you, <laughs> you might need you might need to <laughs> get rid of two honored characters real quick <laughs> so that you yep. can have enough honor to survive to the next game. As a Scorpion, <laughs> I am very familiar with Dishonor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the, the story reason for Dishonor loss is that the Empire, Emperor throws you out of the Imperial Court for that season. Thus, you get no influence on decisions, and your clan is just wow. going to be wrecked. Right. 
and the opposite of that is also true. You can honor rocket is what it's called. You can honor out where you have 25 honor. If you ever get 25 honor, you immediately win. And interestingly, my one successful unicorn deck is entirely based on honoring up. Um. (laughs) I like to honor with lion because uh, lion's trope is they're better than you. And I like to remind them that I'm better than them every game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, so the last way to win okay. the game is with uh, strongholds. So in your in your uh, play area, you have four provinces. These are lands that you use to create uh, good guys and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If you lose three of them, so the enemy comes at you and wins, and wins enough so much that they actually break the province. They've they've ruined the land. You can't use it as much anymore. Once you lose three of them, your home, your stronghold becomes vulnerable. If they go to war with that and they beat you there as well, then you've lost the game. Oh, so like your, that is your, big, your big stronghold castle yep. that all you and your samurai are at, and so your providence are all outside with right. their little bitty outposts. Right. If you break three of those, you can now try and take someone's stronghold out. If you burn it to the ground, they're out. Right. Yep. Yes. Yeah. If you and run that, out of honor, you're out. Yep. Yeah. And if you over honor, you win. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and the stronghold win condition is the more typical one. The other ones uh, function more as a pressure mechanic because yeah. honor is used in very interesting ways in this game. Uh, so everyone, so your deck should aim to win versus provinces, but opportunistically go for honor and dishonor. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get so much life and magic, you win. Right. Yeah, yeah. You can't and just have so much. Because it's a zero twenty and it's a deck rule. So what happens if you run out of cards? Like, what if someone trying question. to kill you? You, uh, if you run, if any of your decks, oh, sorry, there's multiple decks. If any, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why would this game have one deck? I, I know, right? It's very, uh, very two decks, thematic. a stronghold, five provinces, and and rings. Let's do it. So yeah, um, very if you run, very simple. <laughs> If your if your uh, deck runs out of cards, then you reshuffle your discard into your deck, and you lose five honor. Oh, so you can get in trouble, uh, but yes. again, it's a pressure thing. But you don't yeah. lose. You don't immediately lose no. when your deck is gone. Just adds to the pressure. Right. Right. Yep. And, and the decks are uh, forty cards, forty to forty-five. Um, yes. So yes. it's a very it's a very structured game. You don't have somebody walking up with a hundred and fifty card deck. And you're like, Jesus, <laughs> you know, how, <laughs> what's in this thing? The guy doesn't I'm know what he's going to draw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is a very structured game. There's a there's a base time limit just kind of built into it, just on the card draw. I've never seen um, somebody have to reshuffle their deck. I'm sure that that happens, but I have yet to run into somebody who's run out of cards. Uh, there's a deck that does it right now. Unicorn does it with Satoshi for Imperial cards. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's a deck where they burn a lot of cards in order to get to a certain mm-hmm. type of card. Yeah, they okay. top deck till they find something. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so one of the things to note in this game that I I really like is like not only are you as the as a player deciding how long your people are going to live around for, but you also decide how many cards you're going to get every turn. So we know you get the same amount of fate every turn, right? You're your stronghold gives you seven fate every turn. This is universally true for everybody right now, at least. Yes. Um, and then and after you decide, this game has kind of a two-card phase to it. There's one phase where all your samurai come out of, or most of your samurai come out of, the dynasty phase, where your providences matter. Mm-hmm. So you're playing things out of your providences. And then you've got your hand. 
and the hand is like your hidden secrets, your tricks, your uh, surprise plays that the opponent is not going to see coming. And you decide how many of those you want in your hand or how many you want to draw every turn. And that's a really fun mechanic to me. Uh, it's an honor bid system where both players look at each other and they're like, all right, I need five cards, but he might only need one card. And if I bid five and he bids one, I'm going to have to give him the difference in honor. And that's where that whole honor pressure comes in. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, like, if someone's low on honor and they, like, so often what happens if someone is, like, hovering between, like, say, one in four honor, then they have to bid low. Otherwise, they're going to kill themselves. And then the other player is going to bid low to keep them low. Or they might bid high to be like, well, he's going to not get a lot of cards this turn because he has to bid low. And I'll just use this turn to get this massive card advantage. And is it one to five? Or And by the way, guys, that fits in with my, how much interaction is there between players in these rounds? Or Because, you know, some games you just kind of play your game, and they're playing their game, and then you, you hit each other like magic, you know, during that one phase, right? But it sounds like you guys are interacting all the time. You know, in Netrunner, sometimes you get done interacting and go, oh, shit, whose turn was it? Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. In L5R, I have never stopped looking at what my opponent's doing. Like, I always feel like I have to be engaged just to see what they're spending and where they're drawing and what's going on. So, <laughs> um, I want to make a distinction just, to, like, for clarity between, like, strict interaction where I'm actually, like, playing uh, things on my opponent and doing things with him and things where I'm denying him choices. Now, this game has both. Like, a lot of it. Uh, but I want to like clarify that those two things happen, and because unlike Magic, uh, it's a shared turn, where oh. it's not like I it's my turn I'm going to attack. It's oh. I'm, it's that I'm first player, so at any given uh, window opportunity, I'm the first to act, and then next turn you'll be the first to act. But we both attack each other on the same turn. It, wow, it's, it's very it's very chess like in that I take an action. Robert takes an action, and then I take an action, and then Robert takes an action. And then the next whole round, Robert will go first. He takes an action, I take an action, back and forth. So it's because of that, it feels more like chess. And to me, mm -hmm. that means like the order in which you do things matters a ton. Because you can't do like five things at once. Yeah, and because most people are familiar with magic, uh, when I when I teach people, and I can usually safely assume that they played magic, you guys as well, uh, I really like to teach people this, saying, all right, okay, so now we're in a fight. I'm first player, or you're defender, so you're going to get the first action. And when you do your action, there's no stack. A few cards will react, specifically, but in general, there's no stack. So you're going to do a thing, and you're going to tell me to shut up, because that's your action, and there's nothing I can do about it. All right, great. <laughs> you walked into another one about the stack. It was an amazing <laughs> It's like I, oh man, I should teach this game. <laughs> it's almost like you built an entire local community around this game. Yeah. yeah. Because you have this definite, I'm doing a thing, you're doing a thing, back and forth. As soon as you say, I pass, that's you saying, I'm happy with the board state. I take no more action. If that other person also passes, whatever the current condition is, we resolve that. So either you win the oh. fight, you lose the fight, you've won the yep. game, you've lost the game. There's not a, I'm going to pass, oh wait, no, right before this, I'm going to do a thing. No, you've you've elected you, to stop. You had your chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that leads to that counter spell idea. That if I pass and then you do something else, I can't immediately then go, oh, one more card. 
it's that idea that I've, we're now going to see what happens. Now, after I pass once, and some, and let's say I'm playing with uh, Ben. Ben plays a card. Can he then play another card because I passed? Can he get two turns after I've declared I'm good, done? Good, good point. So you could be very happy with the current board state and say, I pass. Ben, you play a card. And mm -hmm. then Rich, you say, oh, no, no, no. Now I have something to do. Okay. Yeah. I can't come back into the game. There is one, there is one exception to that, but that is the general rule, yes. Nice. Mm -hmm. it, it requires both players to pass consecutively. So there's a whole strategy in that, especially if you're playing like a control deck where, okay, when can I pass here to try to force my opponent to play one more card or to give me this slight advantage? Yeah, one of the things I like about the game is, uh, especially in the old game, it's true here, but not to as much of an extent, or maybe I just remember the old game well, which is you don't want to dig yourself into a hole. It's really, really, really easy to just keep doing actions in a fight that you're just not going to win. And at some point, you just have to, like... In, in other games, like Magic, it's easier to, like, let it go because you have the stack to rely on. But in this game, like, you have to make the firm decision, say, like, look at your board. You're losing. You cannot win and go, ah, pass. That, that's like a go thing, guys. You know, we chatted a little earlier just about go before we got going. And that's kind of that idea of, I need to resign. And uh, that seems very, you know... Um, kind of in this world also that you've got to make that choice to let something go and then play your next turn yeah and i would say that that's true in like the entire turn structure i like to tell people about that uh ben and i had and some others had a podcast for a little while called the table is yours and in that that podcast is actually named after an optional rule kind of like a fluffy thing from the old game is in that because the turn is so structured it's similar to that sort of um philosophy as well in that there's no stack there's no fluffiness there's no nebulousness it's just like my turn your turn mm -hmm. my turn your turn and then oh. at the end of your turn you say the table is yours and you pass the turn so it's like a lot of people are like can i play this now whoa slow down <laughs> You're too fast. One action at a time. <laughs> but I have seven feet. I want to do seven things right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there are things in the game that you can do out of order, but they're very specific and they're not as common as in other games. So right. Right. while there, could, there can be counterspell-like scenarios, it's not going to be like magic where you're constantly looking out for lightning bolts and counterspells and unsummons. Yeah, that's that's the that's the mm. exception, not the rule, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and the, one of the cool things I'd like to kind of get us talking a little bit about there's there's the fight, right? So you have the fight over the province. Yes. And then on top mm -hmm. of that you've got the turn, and then on top of that you've got you've got all these layers. So like, you know, Robert, you were kind of talking about this earlier, you could bury yourself trying to win a fight you're not going to win. And the downstream impact of that in this game is huge because you will have spent tons of good cards on an unwinnable fight or on a pure yep. victory yep. and then lose the overall game because you've overinvested in one area. Uh, without getting into specifics because that would be super annoying, I won a game a couple weeks ago three turns later because a person made a poor choice on an honor bid. It was it was one exact bit. I could tell the exact moment I won that game, and I just needed to coast. And it was like three turns. <laughs> Dude, that that really sounds chessy, and yep. you know, yep. very goy. That sounds very much like I'm I'm waiting for that moment, and then I take that time. And whereas sometimes I've played Magic and made a couple good mistakes, but then the way my deck evolves, as in pushing cards out to me, 
Mm-hmm. And the way all of a sudden they draw, they draw eight fucking lands in a row. I win. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. It's like I win. You got stopping you you don't really <laughs> run into that feeling kind of no the, in general for sure uh it, as ben was talking about holdings is that yeah. if your uh provinces if oh, your dynasty God. cards flip up nothing but holdings you're not going to buy any new people right. but there are there are ways to mitigate even that so like yep. you, sh- you should have bought last turn expecting this turn to have nothing but holdings mm-hmm Thinking a turn ahead is very important in this game, or multiple turns ahead, or uh, deciding that this turn you have to, the best option is actually to ignore the future and just dedicate as much as you can right now. Yeah. Because you see an opportunity. Um, it's it's one of my favorite aspects of the game. It's also a game where I think when players start to learn the game, one thing you have to show them and tell them is they'll hit a point where they feel like they can't come back and they feel like, you know, they're super stressed and every decision is so important and they don't know how to go forward. And then you just got to reveal to them that their opponent's in the same mindset and they also think that everything's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then usually once that realization hits, uh, they both start laughing and having fun again and then the game opens up for the second time and then they yeah. really get it. Yeah, Everyone's <laughs> losing. Only one of you's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... So in the game, during the, the turn, you can have up to four fights, typically. Because yes. each player gets a chance to do a military combat and a political combat. So you're always trying to harm each other, both in court and on the battlefield. And so typically, you get about four mm-hmm. of those every every uh, broad turn. And yep. it's one of the things that I, whenever I show people this game, I'm like, look, you don't have to attack. You have two attack opportunities. You don't have to use them. You can turtle up if you need time to build your field before mm-hmm, you're right. ready to launch something. And that's where the first player token is very important because who decides what attack to do in which order is important. Yeah, because yeah, the other thing is interchangeable. I can choose to start with my political conflict even if I'm a military deck. Like, what am I planning by starting with this instead of starting with the the advantage I clearly have on the board right now? Right. When yeah, when people ask for advice, like uh, I'm a moderator in the Discord server for L5R, and people come into the Scorpion chat uh, asking for like tips. How do I play a Scorpion and stuff like that? And it's really hard, just in general, giving people tips because this is a game uh, more so than others, where like literally everything depends. Like. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. Just, I, can't, I can't just say, "Yeah, play that card" because that's really good. Because I, I can, I can think of like two or three very likely scenarios where you should not do that. Right. Usually, scenarios where you lost by doing that. <laughs> yeah, you have you have personal knowledge of how that failed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it feels like the complexity factor of this game can go off the chart. Yeah, I, I would say it's a gamer's game for that reason. Like, there's just, it's not super complicated in terms of, like, the actual rules, but there's just such a depth in how the state can change and how from deck building to game start to game end, there's so many things that can be happening. It is an extremely complicated game, not not in rules, as Ben said, but in getting good at it and mastering the system. This is because there's always so much on the board. I feel overloaded with information, even when I feel like I, I have complete understanding. Even if me and my opponent both had no cards in hand, I would look at the board sometimes <laughs> and feel like, wow, there's like six things that could be happening right now, even though it's all face up. I'm like Netrunner, where I'm trying to figure out what's in a server. Like, yeah. 
might, it might be all in front of me, and I still am just like, this is a lot. What am I going to do here? Uh, and we haven't even gotten to the five rings themselves. Yeah, but- we haven't even talked about the ring game. Right. Wait, Go to the rings. I don't even know what to ask about that. Well, hold on, hold on. So, so I'll, I'll cover the rings real quick. So when you elect to do a fight, when you say, I'm coming across this table and I'm going to fight you, um, but in the card game, not like real. Um, yeah. You pick I still don't know right? why they're fighting. I mean, this sounds like just sitting you know, board is like a master's degree in AlphaGo. <laughs> it's hard to explain this game without having it in front of you. I find this game very hard to teach without just having it out in front of me. <laughs> so, so what I'll say is the rings are used in the fights to give you extra boons for winning on top of possibly breaking a province. So on top of marching towards their stronghold i get little extra benefits whenever i win a ring as the attacker um Mm -hmm. there are cards that change all of that and of course there's manipulation at that game but that's just one of the layers right so yeah phoenix they will change all (laughs) that yeah uh so that's one of the layers i've got my fight and the ring for that fight and then on top of that there's a whole round right and then on top of that there's the whole game what i'd love for us to do is spend a talk a minute talking about okay if I've won a critical game in a tournament, I've now earned a position within the community as a recognized leader. There's special titles and stuff for very high-level players, and yep. they can then start to do things that impact every game that every player is going to play in the future. What the? I want yeah, to talk so, about <laughs> Yeah. We told you yeah. this game is about community. FFG introduced this concept of roll cards as one of their main story things. And at first, there's only two roles, which is uh, which are either keeper or seekers, and there's fo- one for each of the five rings, which are the five elements of each role. So there's a keeper of the void and a seeker of the void. There's a keeper of fire and seeker of fire. And depending on how your top players perform at these major tournaments, and they're declared Hatamotos and given this title and stuff... Uh, once a year, they get to choose which of those you get. So a decision a top-level player makes will affect me for the next, like, at this point, what, six, seven months left? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's It's one of those crazy things where a top-end player makes a decision for me and everybody else who plays a clan. That changes our deck. That changes how we're going to play, right? Because the that Seeker or Keeper card gives me bonuses depending if I play well to that card. Yep. Ah, so awesome. That's that's a very important thing because there's a lot of players who, uh, in fairness, don't like the role system because they feel like that they're kind of locked into a decision that they had absolutely no say in. And one of the things that I like about it is that the roles only confer bonuses. There's uh, no opportunity cost. The only opportunity cost in them is that you didn't get a different role. Right. Uh, That's that's really it. So, like – um, what I like about it is that the, there's the community engagement. The top-level players get to have a say because they won, they participated, they did well, they performed. And then everyone else gets a bonus. And what this means is that everybody of that clan will play similarly. Not the same. That's important. Now, we're all going to play the same deck. But like, if you play me and I'm a Scorpion, you go play another Scorpion, you're going to see kind of the same strategies that we would not normally uh, be able to do. That's a good point. Yeah, because your influence is deck building universally, all of that clan's deck building is going to be influenced by the same rule set. So you're going to yep. see, yep. you know, maybe they don't have 10 options for how to build the deck. They've got five. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and when you're in a tournament, because kitchen table, you can do whatever, which right. is also something I point out to people, and it's fun to do whatever in kitchen table, because it also might influence how you want to yell at people at forums for when they get to choose the next one, which <laughs> yeah. is a good pastime. <laughs> yeah, so, so, okay, so this is something to kind of consider that makes, to me, the community engagement of this game so powerful. A top-level player can make a decision that impacts me. Oh, yeah. Which means that there's now a room for intrigue. There's now a room for influence and, and community engagement where I'm saying, hey, buddy, here's how I want you to play. Robert, I think you've got something on this. Uh, did you hear did, did, <laughs> did you hear about uh, Brad Eamon? I, I am kind of leading in that direction. Yes, please. Tell us the story. Oh, my God. So um, there was a player, cool guy, had him on the table, and he – was uh, looking around some cards. Remember when we were talking about how um, some cards are locked into certain roles? Mm -hmm. There was a card that we saw previewed for the Scorpion called Backhanded Compliment. Not going to get into what it does, but it was a keeper card. And he thought that it was very, very good. I disagree, but whatever. He was playing Dragon at the time. He got Dragon Hatamoto. And then when you, uh, at a previous tournament, he got Dragon Hatamoto. And if you go to a tournament... Uh, a Kote, one of the top-level tournaments, and you play not the clan you Hatamoto'd in, you lose your Hatamoto status. Whoa! So, yeah, so, so he gave up. Oh, you're kidding me! So, oh, he, so he gave up Hatamoto for Dragon to play Scorpion yes. to make sure to then play Scorpion and make sure they didn't get Keeper. <laughs> so then the, the entire so then they were streaming it and i can tell you the extra bit that happened on my side uh, a bunch of the scorpion were watching like we caught wind of like there's this scorpion spy there's a dragon and he's in scorpion and he's gonna screw us over that's not what ended up happening but that's what we learned at the time so we opened up an extra chat room in discord and i invited all the crane and all the scorpion players because the dragon who was playing scorpion to screw us was playing against a crane and everyone didn't like that he was doing this so then we just had this whole chat room watching him on stream and he was a great guy he took it well and um he actually ended up talking to another scorpion player and uh we got what we wanted anyway but at the time we we're like oh this guy's just trying to screw us so we just had this huge like yeah let's get the dragon out of moto playing scorpion lose <laughs> well okay, there been any Swatting in the L5R community. People are going to start swatting people. No swatting. No I swatting. hope not. Yeah. Uh, well, and like with the Hatamoto thing, like that position, giving it up is a big deal because like you get a lot of stuff for it. You get physical rewards too. They give you a play mat. They give you the official title and a, and a spot on the wall of fame. Mm -hmm. They give you pins that you get to set the conditions on how players can win them from you. Yeah. Wow. So you can set a conditions where if a player beats you at a tournament, they win your pin. Yeah, there's, <laughs> like, a guy, there's a guy on our Discord server whose name is uh, I forget, like something something Hatamoto Hunter. Because like he never quite makes Hatamoto, but he keeps taking their pins. That's incredible. I cannot believe I have never dipped my toe into this. Uh, card game because I, you know, I've played various ones through the years. Man, this just has so much. You know what? My introvert could not handle this game. My <laughs> introvert could not. So oh, that's okay. okay. No, I figured it out. I figured it out. I got to discord with people. What the? <laughs> I figured it out, Ben. He's a dragon. No, 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 no. <laughs> we did, introvert? No, he's a dragon. We need to pick a clan for you, Rich. A matchmaking. We're gonna match you up with a clan. 
Yeah, I think we need to do that. We need to find a clan that we think best suits him, so later when he does play the game, he can tell us how wrong we are. <laughs> I'm a unicorn! Oh, I hope so. I could use more unicorn players. I'm a very yeah, special, fluffy unicorn. Yeah. No, they're, they're, the they're not gentle. They are not cuddly unicorns. Oh, they're very oh. vicious. The unicorn are amazing. I love them. We're the greatest military power, if you ignore what the lions say. Right. The lions don't have horses, so I mean, come on now. That's right. That's right. That's right. That community level engagement, where you can have intrigue, you have politics, like what what happened there. Turns out that guy was just trying to make the game fun for everybody, and he got a lot of flack for those decisions. He got a lot of flack for that decision. Yeah, way too much. Yeah, that's one of the things to kind of note is that this game, you're making decisions that affect other people, and. That does carry with it a certain burden of somebody's not going to like that decision. It doesn't matter what decision you make. There's going to be a body of people mm-hmm. that don't like that. Right. Um, and, and people get very passionate very quickly about it. Like people did, even with FFG's been revealing stuff. When FFG revealed there were going to be role specific cards and that, like, uh, and they were going to come out in the LCG model where you only get a pack of traditionally a pack a month or this time a pack that was every week for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it made people mad because they're like, oh man, what if I don't get my, you know, keeper card when we're the keeper clan right now until the last pack? Like, then they're just screwing us. Uh, I also... People like, get very I, passionate quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it though, right? Because like, if you're a yeah. seeker and you're... And if you're a seeker and you want to use the keeper card, then you you can't. Yeah, frustrating. Not for tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I get that. Like, that's that's kind of frustrating. But, it, it, but if you're a, if you're a seeker... And you want to use the keeper card that doesn't stop you from playing another clan that is a keeper and then splashing for your original clan to get that card. But right. Rob, clan loyalty. Okay, that's the is one the thing, thing that this. causes more arguments than any other. Right, yeah. It's the, there's a notion. Hey, except, for, uh, except for Ronan David over here who's playing like every clan. <laughs> I will play so whatever I, I clan. I know oh. that from uh, Kurosawa. I know the name Ronan. Yeah. And that sounds like what David is. Yeah. Oh, it, don't worry. He, he doesn't garner respect. He, yeah. he doesn't have. <laughs> no, dude. If, if they had if they had an imperial stronghold and I could just play straight imperial, I would probably do it just so I could be out of the clan politic. Uh, but it's it's funky like that. It's then just, you just get to be the target of all of them. That's fine. That's fine. It, that, I can fight in all directions now, right? Once I'm surrounded, it's okay. <laughs> I don't have to aim. I just got to swing. That's right. <laughs> How the hell do you fight? Now, I get the idea you're going to get someone's stronghold. But they have samurai out. You got samurai out. What the hell happens? Oh, I'll do this one. Um, so on the on the surface, it's actually pretty easy. Your characters have two stats. They have a military and a political stat. And you, um, they don't, and you count the stat for the type of conflict it is. So if there's a military conflict, you don't count the political. Makes sense. Okay. The province has a number on it, which is the number you need to reach to be able to destroy that province. Uh, most of them are around four. So if I attack and you don't defend and I hit a province, he's got a province strength of four, and I have four in this game, attacker wins ties. I win and I destroy the province and everything's peachy. What's a, what's a general card have for its attack? Two? <laughs> so uh, it varies widely. Yeah. Depending on who you're playing and what clan, and also whether or not they're unique, I would say I like to find people who have threes as stats. 
I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to twos and ones happen all the time. Scorpion has a card called Sinister Soshi, which has dashes in both stats, which means she can actually never go to any fight ever. Uh, and I make sure I buy her with lots of fate because her ability is just so good. Um, <laughs> but the, but so you're looking for threes. Um, uh, Okoro Toturi, the Lion Clan champion, has a military stat of six. And yeah, right. And he, uh, oh, Hida Kathara, the clan champion of the crab, has a military stat of seven. And yeah. they're, the, the Moto Horde is a, not a, it's an army. It's like lots of people. Uh, and it has a military stat of six. So, like, one dude beats out a whole army. Kasada, don't But he's crab him. and he's fighting the line. Yeah, so he's used to that fighting. So, yeah. So, like, obviously, I'm going to attack you and then presumably you're going to defend. Um, so there's this middle range where you can win, but not break. So let's say that I'm attacking you with a, uh, with four force altogether, and you defend with two, and I'm at a province that is uh, a province strength of four. So if I'm 40 or two, just in armies, I'm winning, right? I win, but I'm not breaking. Just kind of assume that everything has, like, trample in that case. Yep. Uh, and so what this means is similar to before where it's like you don't want to lose spend cards into fights you're going to lose you'd also don't want to overcommit sometimes you just want to win the fight and get the ring and if you spend too many cards to try to break that'll set you back in the long run as well right so if you uh win the fight but don't break you still get the ring as the attacker and then if i manage to invent two more force so i go to six and you have two in front of me and your province strength is four so you have six altogether uh, then I'm now winning and breaking. Four rolls over, that trample effect. Yeah. yeah. Right. Does it stay between rounds, or does uh, damage go away after a fight? During the fight, that's all you get. So after the fight's okay. done, so everybody goes home. There's no damage. Uh, oh. Yeah, so like, if I win the fight and your characters are in there, they just go home bowed. They don't like die or anything. They don't like somehow yeah. become wounded. Your province does break, and that stays. Um... But if the province doesn't break, it is full health next time you come to it. It's not like yes. it's not like you took two off and those are two gone forever. It's you got to come back and hit. You have to you have to do the full amount if you're ever going to break it. And because it doesn't kill people, nor you know, damage doesn't say. I'm I'm kind of using some magic metaphors that don't work. They just don't work, right? Because the you know the idea of of leaving or you know something's now down two. I, I get it. And and so that's how you would win a fight, is do I just go for the ring, or do I go to break? If the defender wins, typically, they don't get to resolve the ring. So sometimes, you might elect to start a fight with the ring you know the other guy needs to win. And you'll just start yes. that fight with that ring so that they can't get it later. What do you mean he needs the ring to win? So So the rings will give you little bonuses. And let's say they are trying to win on honor. And there's a oh. ring that will give you two honor. Got it. And you're like, no, 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 no. Yep. I'm going to use this ring. Even if I lose, I don't care because I don't want you to get the honor off that ring. Gotcha. And that's right. Where it's I just another earlier. layer. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. what I said earlier. Like, it's interactive, but in this case, it's more of a denial game. And that totally happens all the time. Right. Yeah, so you're playing. Yep. You're playing Especially against Rob because he's trying to dishonor you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you were just better. Oh, Scorpion. <laughs> They rock you like a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things that there's 
there's you have to make the decision. Am I playing to my win condition or am I playing against their win condition right now? Yep. And you am have I to, trying to win or am I trying <laughs> to not lose? Right. And you have to do both all the time. <laughs> and and yep. that's cool because that kind of goes into um like when you remember when you bid for when you bid your honor to draw cards, that means that there is this kind of like nebulous idea that a card is worth an honor i disagree with that and lots of people will yell at me but we'll move on so like (laughs) honor is worth one card but one card might not be worth one honor and you need to spend fate on characters and you also need to spend fate to play your events that you may or may not have spent honor on to get so like there's so many resource systems that the value isn't strict and so when i have lots of characters and you don't you might have lots of cards, and I don't. Well, right. and that's basic economics, right? It's what do I need right now? If I really mm-hmm. need cards, it is way worth it to spend honor to get those cards, provided I have the honor to do so. Yeah. And I would happily spend two honor for a card if I really needed that next card, you know? But it just depends. You know, it depends on the state of the game and the, the clan that you're playing. Right. All you're getting stuff. it. You're getting yeah. it. It depends. Every, yeah. every, every. By the way, I started a little yeah. hashtag counter for hashtag depends. <laughs> That's so good. We're, we're literally at like 42 times we've said that word because it sounds like it always does kind of depend. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Uh, and, like, that's the thing. Like you said, then there's decks that try to take advantage of that. Like, there are decks that gain honor, but they're not trying to honor out. They're just trying to get more resources to buy more cards because that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. To win fights. Yeah. Yeah, if they if they start getting up there in honor, like, they're not trying to honor out, as Ben said, but they're trying to put the pressure on you. So, like, if you need to bid low now, because if you bid high, what if you bid high on the turn where I bid low and you just give me a bunch of honor for all the yeah. free cards? Yeah, you're just bumping them up, <laughs> dude. This is—I don't want to play this game. Oh come on, it's this is so crazy fun, dude. It's I'm really so playing, and I'm kind of pissed off. This is, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, you guys talk about the emperor right earlier on on flavor. And, yes. Um, now we get to the game itself, and I kind of said, God, I wonder if there's like an emperor like condition cards. Do you guys have cards that like you're in the middle of something, you're in the middle of a game, and homeboy spends all his fate. And he throws down the emperor now says blank. And, and you know, like in other games, it could be considered an event card or a global effect. Anything like that yet? Kind of. Uh, so there's a, a neutral mechanic in the game called the Imperial Favor, which is considered that between the two of you, you have more of the year of the emperor. Um, and by default, when you own that card, it gives you choose either political or military, and it gives you in your military political fights, plus one to that fight, which doesn't sound like a lot, but one point is a huge difference in this game. Yeah. But the other thing is there are cards in this game that are very powerful that require you to either have the favor in your possession to use, and some that require you to give up the favor, and that oh, kind of represents that. Oh! Yeah, that a, sounds uh, like a uh, scorpion strategy. You know, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, there, the scorpion are a very politically minded faction we like to make sure that everything is going according to plan for everyone the scorpion and, plan specifically oh uh, the empire above all else and, uh, <laughs> and, and remember how we said their counter spells are rare there's totally a neutral counter spell in the game that requires you to use the favor to activate it but we'll totally just counter an event you played maybe an event you just spent uh i don't know your unicorn and you just spent three fate to bring a, a emergency cavalry reserves in and suddenly 
your life is terrible. Yeah. And that sounds like the flavor you talked about earlier. And yep. that's why I, I wrote that down as I better bring this back up because that sounds like the little bit of flavor that's going on with the game and how they're incorporating it into the mechanics, which yeah. is really and, cool. And you'll just see stuff like that. That counterspell is called censure, by the way. And it has a, a picture of a neutral diplomat giving a pic, uh, a message to someone. And you need the imperial favor for it. So it's like, I want to do this. Sorry, Emperor says no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, about this game that they really do a good job, I think, of weaving the theme into the game. You know, in past episodes, we've talked about thematic games like the Doctor Who game and all that kind of stuff. And some games do a really good job of bringing the theme in. Other games, not so much. This one, I feel like they did a good job of making the theme there if you're interested in it. It does impact the game, but you don't have to know all of the background and history in order to play the card game. Right. right, and there's totally players who just, they're just normal, you know, tournament players who they play whatever clan that they think has the best chance of winning and they go to tournaments and they might consult with the community as a whole if they win to help make a decision that they don't care about, but, <laughs> uh, which is a terrifying thing sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have no stake in the game at all. They're just like, eh, uh, should I release this prisoner or kill him? What What do you guys think? Oh, God, um, we have strong opinions, well, please. Especially... <laughs> Especially because the game just started and FFG has been very teasing about what decisions might be in the future. Because in AEG's day, there was a decision to create a whole new clan in the game. <gasps> where a whole new faction got created. It was chosen between two fa possible factions. And the other one was destroyed and would never return to the game. Yeah, like There were big decision points like it, that. And it, FFG hasn't done any yet, but they didn't say that things like that are off the table. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty clear Mantis is coming. They should. Yeah, that's because they, they're a very popular clan from the old game that and, there's no way they're not going to just yeah. cash in on that. All right, so we should probably figure out a clan for Rich. We should probably do here's, that. Because that, that's... You gotta, you, gotta pick, you gotta pick your horse, man. You gotta, you gotta pick your side. And I will go online and make a deck around this. And, that, and I'll lead to some questions there, but what clan should I go develop? Here's the thing. I feel like these other two people are going to try and manipulate you down the wrong path, and you need a clan that has a clear, definable goal and purpose that is noble and built. And I say that is the Crab Clan. The Crab Clan defend the Great Carpenter Wall, which it cuts us off from the Shadowlands. They spend all day uh, defending us from terrible evils that normal men could only imagine. Uh, very Cthulhu-esque. And all they want from the rest of the clans is to give them some respect and some rice and jade so they can keep saving the world every day. And yet the scorpion and everyone else just keep beating them down and denying them their requests for more supplies. <laughs> no, and we're going to get angry and they're going to send the party to the capital to settle this the old-fashioned way with giant clubs and dangerous sorceries from beyond the wall. No, see, my unicorn friend here is too compassionate to speak directly about his clan. Don't let his banter fool you. The crab is an honorable faction. However, I think you should look towards the scorpion for the most loyal and empire-centric clan in the entire empire. We serve to make sure that the emperor and the uh, empire at large maintain a day-to-day -day ability to continue itself. And if that involves doing things that other samurai are unwilling to do then we are better for it <laughs> david you're either breaking this tie or you're making this harder yeah oh man okay 
I I really think that Rich, having having played games with you and seeing the way that you uh, approach concepts of bushido and honor and 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 how much you care or really disregard uh, uh, social mores, I think Unicorn is your clan, man. I think you're you're coming in as basically. Do you, a, see, do you see what this Unicorn player has done? He's not even asking. He's he's not even. Uh... He's making a, a claim for his own clan. He's managing someone else to do it. How compassionate. I'm Look, just saying. Just because you don't care about the little people who get trampled underfoot doesn't mean that we shouldn't care. I care about them greatly. My informants are very necessary. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think Rich, your your personality and your approach is is better served from a horse, from the back of a horse where nobody could really challenge you. It's a roll off, guys. We're going uh, Crab Clan one two. We're going Scorpion three four, and we're going Unicorn five six. I got my Gen Con commemorative fifty year die right here. Oh yes, Ooh, good choice. <laughs> good choice. Let's see how this turns out. Right, give it a roll. My friends, that's the two. Oh, so it looks like a crap. crab I will be. All right. All on, right. On the wall for you, sir. Uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> the crab terrified me, so this is fine. Yeah. Crab is rude. That's all there is to it. I'll see you guys online. When I get, I'm going to go get my profile set up. Let's talk about community places for people to go and find get to this game, what are the resources that are out there? Where do I go? Sure. sure. Um, it, uh, as a moderator, I'm absolutely going to plug the Discord server. Um, it has a lot of people. We have different, a uh, few thousand. We have a few uh, chats for clan specifics, uh, as well as general chat and strategy and deck building. We also have a, a section for the RPG mm -hmm. and its beta, stuff like that. So that's a good place to go. Um, there is a whole collection of all of the old stories, as well as the site is keeping up with the new ones, called Kaze no Shiro, mm -hmm. if you want to get into the lore, which I do suggest you do. And for playing, we have Jigoku.online. Yeah, yeah, Jigoku mm -hmm. Online. It allows you to play the game for free. Spell that. Is it like uh, Jintiki or...? Yep, same, same platform. Okay. Yeah, we will link to it in the show notes, so okay, folks, folks at home, you don't have to write this down while you're driving. We'll, we'll send it to you. Um, right. And then uh, there's also a couple of websites that have all of the cards in a database. So if you yes. want to look and see what a card does, how it interacts, some comments, uh, rulings, right? Because as the game plays, judges have ruled on how this card interacts. You want to get up to date on the latest. It's all contained. Uh, was it fiverings.db is one? Fiverings.db is one and is the one I would use, uh, especially because it has integrations with Jikoku Online for importing decks straight from there into Jikoku. Perfect. Um, so it's easy. Yeah, if you've ever played another uh, FFG game, a lot of the databases and clients that you can play are very similar. So you should be really pretty familiar with that. Yeah. And I have a feeling that the community is probably just like I ran into maybe with Netrunner, that you show up and people are like, oh, you're new? Here's a bunch of extra cards that I got. <laughs> that's that's been true of L5R ever since the beginning. Yeah. It's just the people are like, come play again. You know, here's this. Come play again. Uh, and he, that's actually a good point, Rob. When this was a CCG and not an LCG, uh, and clan loyalty has always been a thing, if you were, like, a dedicated unicorn player like myself, I didn't need these scorpion cards. I would just give them to Rob or somebody else in my group who was starting off. 
Um, that's not as true now that it's an LCG model, but I've found people have been very supportive online and offline and helping people get started, uh, whether it's just showing them some tricks that they might not know with their clan or uh, giving them extra cards if they bought extra core sets or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I usually have a spare deck to lend out to players and stuff like that, and that's not uncommon. Yeah. And because we haven't actually said it, uh, I want to let everybody know it can be a long game. And... Uh, uh, it can take a lot of time. Uh, some of the Ooh. earlier games that people play, like especially when they're learning, could take a couple hours for one game. And I want to be like upfront with people and know that because what happens is analysis paralysis. Remember, the game's not hard. There's just a million decision points. Yeah. So as you, it, my games nowadays take like thirty to forty minutes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Online or offline, I found most of my games take between thirty-five minutes and fifty minutes, probably. Yeah. Um, for the longer ones, 50. But, like, yeah, the first few games, like, probably 90 minutes a game. And, and I mean, we had the back of the rule book out because it had a nice little flowchart to how the phases worked because yep. it is a very structured game where it's you go, I go. Yep. And so that flowchart in the back of the manual was really good for me teaching and learning the game. Yeah. Uh, but I, the fact that I need to have it out at first to kind of really get into it, yeah. I think says something about the complexity. Sure. Well, you know, you kind of need the same thing for magic. You need somebody to explain to you how the stack works. Um, you know, a lot of these right. games have stuff like that, but this one, yeah, whenever I was learning, I was like, okay, I kind of want to ignore, I wanted to ignore the rings to start. Like whenever you I, go to a I fight. I, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, ah, it's an extra rule. I kind of don't need it unless I'm doing some more advanced stuff. So I'm going to ignore the rings for the first couple of games and just do fights and then, yeah. and then wor yeah. worry about that stuff later. I actually uh, started when I've been teaching the game. I, I took some cues from Rob because Rob doesn't use rings uh, for the first turn when he's teaching the game and things like that. Uh, I've actually, when I've demoed the game a few times, I've just started off with a fight set up and just walked them through a fight. Oh, wow. Yeah. The initial decisions are done just because people find fights interesting. And then I back out and teach them one part at a time. But yeah. Yeah. I I don't use rings on the first turn. I set up the provinces for them. I start as first player, and I tell them who to buy in the dynasty. Yeah, smart, <laughs> smart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because because it's such an interesting game, and you you can see. All right, I make this decision. Downstream, there's all these consequences of that decision, and it takes right. a while to get good at making that decision quickly and efficiently. And I shorten a lot of my games with the concede button. Um, <laughs> I can see, I can see that I have lost. <laughs> it's like, ah, let's just go ahead and let's go ahead and put put a button in this one. <laughs> I will, I will say that like like some games, it is totally possible to see that you just cannot win. But I will also say that uh, if you're skilled enough and play well, this is a game that I have managed to come back from more so than other games. That's cool. Well, because it's there's so much going on. It only takes your opponent to make one key mistake and for you to spot it. And suddenly you could be back in a position to win right there. It's it's not a hard game. It's just it's a game with a lot of moving pieces. And you got to take some time to get them all in your head. For sure. Yeah. We definitely need to do this again. Because I think that once the, like, the new sets come out and we start looking at, you know, after Gen Con, some of the tournament changes, that kind of thing, we should definitely come back and revisit this. I'd love to. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Thanks for listening. This has been uh, Robert Croy, Swimming with the Scorpion. I hope that you play some L5R, check out some stories, and go learn why the scorpion can swim. <laughs> uh, and this is Ben Avo, Riding with the Unicorn in the Wind. Uh, and go learn why the Crab Clan coup is the most likely outcome of this next storyline. <laughs> so hype. So hype. <laughs> awesome. As always, have fun and play well. 
And may all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. If you have feedback for us, please find us on Twitter, again, at High Shelf Gaming, or on our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. Of course, we're on iTunes and Stitcher as well, so feel free to leave us some feedback or a review there. Thank you.